is on the radio today Turn it up, it's time to get on with the show On 98.7 ESPN Radio Ah, yes, and a good afternoon, everybody. It is indeed the Michael K. Show. It's Monday, February 19th, 2024. Big President's Day with Michael, Don, and Peter. Boy, we have a lot of stuff to talk about. You know, when you think, oh, doing a show on President's Day, what's there to talk about? There's a lot to talk about. A lot. I don't know if we could jam it in for three and a half hours. I I can always jam it in for three and a half hours. And, Michael, I, I want everyone out there listening to know, Michael and Don want it off today. And I, I called the bosses and I said, you know what? I like to work President's Day. This Give is, me more. Feed me more. And that's why we're here. This, Michael, what he just said is literally the opposite. I didn't realize it was opposite day. <laughs> well, actually, no, actually. But, my, but in this case, Don, you did actually think the same thing that I did. I you did have a moment off. where you thought where we, all, we were no, off. No, I, I wanted to work. I was, and I even said, if you remember, I told mm. the pinhead suit, let Don and Peter have off. I'll do the show myself. Well, you always say that. You prefer yeah. the show by yourself. No, no, no. I, I wouldn't prefer it long term, you know, doing three and a half hours by myself. But I, I wouldn't mind every now and then throwing a crumb where I, I get to talk. Oh, poor That's little Michael. All, all right, let's, uh, let's start off with the news first. The news is, is that Jacques Bond, uh, Don predicted this a couple of weeks ago was fired as a coach of the Nets. And I, I got to tell you, everybody, how many, how, many, how many chances you get, in the words of Don, if you're Sean Marks? I mean, this is going to be the fifth coach under his watch. The fifth. Yeah, that's And this is, this is nice, delicious karma for getting rid of Kenny Atkinson when you never should have. That was the coach you should have stayed with. So Atkinson, Vaughn, Nash, Vaughn, and now the next guy you're going to bring in. And I think that Vaughn, I'm not saying that he was red or back, but I think he's a victim of a really shoddy roster that's kind of been thrown together and is not performing, and the injury to Ben Simmons certainly hurts. So they're using a scapegoat, and the scapegoat is Jock Vaughn, but when does Sean Marks get some? And I, I think Sean Marks, for the most part, is a smart basketball guy, but, boy, he's had a lot of things backfire on him. And who are you bringing in now? You bringing in Jeff Van Gundy? Are you bringing in a big name to excite a fan base that has nothing? I'm not sure. Well, I, I don't know why you would give him another opportunity. Now they're going to have an interim, so maybe that tells you, all right. Well, when they when they hire the next big head coach, it'll come with another general manager. But then why does all let both of them go? The trade deadline's over. There's there's nothing left to do. So I, I guess they just want somebody to kind of run things till the end of the season. I don't. I wouldn't let Sean Marks pick the next coach. Uh, it seems like Joe Sy is like uh, just in awe of Sean Marks, and it, I, I've been talking to people today in the know. This whole thing started to go downhill that Christmas week when he rested everybody against yeah. the Milwaukee Bucks, which was an embarrassment. And since that embarrassment, they're six and eighteen. So that's December 27th. They're 6-18 and 18 in the 24 games since then. Now, I'm sorry. That was not all on Jacques Vaughn. No. That was from, the, uh, it was from upper management to rest those guys. If you want to blame Vaughn, you know, he, he played Mikel Bridges just to keep his streak going and, and didn't play him after the first quarter. That was a bad look. But that was just an awful, complete look for the, for the franchise and the organization to give up a game to Milwaukee Bucks. Now, it's going to be interesting to see who they pick as the, um, 
interim coach, Don and Peter, because they have a chance to make the playoffs. They have a chance to be a playing team. The bottom of the East is terrible. I know, but I don't know what that all means because I don't see them making any kind of a run the way Miami did last year. But it's but worth I guess it you're the Nets. They, they don't own their first-round pick. Right, I guess if you're in the Nets, you, you, you try to follow through with it. But the, the Sean Marks thing with Joe Sy, Michael, kind of reminds me of Charles Wong and Mike Milbury. Like, like Milbury just couldn't get fired. I mean, it, no matter what happened, no matter how bad the team was, because that was his guy. He didn't know anything about hockey. He knew Mike Milbury did. And how many coaches, how many bad trades, how many bad free agent signings, and he just continued to be the general manager of the team. Is it the same thing here? That this is it's in Sean Marks we trust, but how many different coaches, how bad does it have to get before you just blow the thing up? Not many GMs, Don, get five cracks at the... Uh at the can they oh. just don't so is it possible because it's just an interim all right let's just ride this season out because there's still a chance of making the playoffs and then during the off season we'll bring in a new general manager and let that general manager decide the direction of the franchise i don't know maybe but my 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 gut feeling is sean marks continues to be the guy i think that Josiah and his wife are entranced by marks because marks for the most part he did he did transition the franchise to a desirable place where Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving wanted to be and where James Harden wanted to be. And then they let those guys run the team and get Atkinson fired. And then it all fell apart and they couldn't control uh, Irving. And then all the trades started to happen and the, the whole thing fell apart. And when he traded Harden to trade him to Philly for Ben Simmons, who can't stay on the court, it's just an awful look. So, uh, I'm sorry, it has not been a good run other than building up to getting Durant and, and Irving, and for many, many factors, that fell apart. So mm. we'll keep a close eye on that, but it's it's. I just don't know. Uh, I can't think, Peter, last time a GM had this many opportunities to bring in a coach unless Josiah is complicit in this. Maybe he's the one firing the coaches. Maybe Sean Marks it- is just doing his bidding. Sean Marks is a very interesting character to look at when you think about the failures that they've had and also the sort of wins on paper that they had, right. but that ultimately failed. So the question is, do you judge Sean Marks based on what the team has ultimately been, which really is, a, when it's all said and done, nothing, or do you judge him more on sort of these near hits where it seemed like he lined everything up and the world just did not agree with him? Well, I guess Sai is looking at it the latter. Um, keeping on the basketball vein, the NBA All-Star Game, I mean, we've said this for years now. This is not breaking news. It's, it's kind of broken. I mean, when they score 200 points now, and, and it wasn't just, just scoring on the last basket. They busted through 200 points, and you could see the commissioner of basketball was not thrilled. It, it, was, it was a glorified pickup game, but the only thing that was missing in pickup games, people do play defense. They have pride. They don't want people to True. dunk on them. That's a, that's a really good point, Michael. Everyone always goes pickup game. I've never played in a pickup game that looks like it's a, a glorified practice run. Well, you know what? Is, you know what is, I, I should take back pickup pick game. You know what it is? It's Globetrotters against the Generals. There's no defense played. No, it's, it's, it's Globetrotters against the Globetrotters. Yeah. They, they just let each other go. I mean, it's, it's, Dame Lillard was, was literally pulling up, literally pulling up from half court and took shots see, from there. But you know what, Michael? That shouldn't be the in, that should be the sort of thing that makes it cool. 
is that, yes, if you're willing to pull up from half court, because let's be honest, you could do that in a regular game, right? No one's guarding you at half court. So I have no problem with Dame Dalla pulling up from half court. What I have a problem with, guys, are sort of everything else. It's just the running up and down the court, the ridiculous alley-oops. The And, and listen, I don't care. I, I just want to be honest. I'm not going to be... Even though I am now in my mid-40s and wearing glasses, I am not going to stand on my lawn and scream about this. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I made plans. Natalie and I sat down on Saturday night after dinner, and we watched All-Star Saturday. And when we got to the Sabrina Steph thing and the regular three-point shootout, we were very into it. I don't even make plans for the the regular All-Star game. Oh. They had the, the regular All-Star game, I'll catch when I get home. But to me, Don, the destination is Saturday night now, not Sunday. So what do you do about it? I, I, I See, I don't know where the disconnect is because you've got some basketball fans who are like, get rid of this. No one cares. The players are not engaged. Does it mean they're not engaged or, hey, I'm not going to play defense? Defense is hard. Let's just have fun. It could be fun watching athletes have fun, but if they're just going through the motions, then it's not worth it. But I think you just said something interesting. Now, granted, you may not necessarily be in their demographic, Peter, but you're a basketball fan. I'd venture to say it's your second favorite sport. And That's right. right. And you're you're taking a knee on this event. Then then you know it's broken. Like I I, I all right, I'm not going to be able to win over Don Lagreca, who's not a diehard basketball fan, or I might not be able to win over the baseball or football fan that doesn't care. But if I'm losing my diehards, then you've got to figure something out. Now I don't know if they are. Like there might be a bunch of twenty somethings who think it's just fabulous and can't get enough of it. But if, if your basketball fans are turning away from it, then you've got to fix it, and fast. Anthony, do you have that cut from Anthony Edwards of the Timberwolves? Not yet. I could find it, though. All right. So, I mean, I'll just, I'll just uh, paraphrase what he said. He said, you know, we don't want to play defense. This is an exhibition game. And I, I'm, I'm surprised, like, the old heads, like LeBron, I mean, you know, he, he'd been doing it 20 years. Back then, they did play some defense. Well, he didn't seem thrilled about it. No, I mean, it's it's a bad look for the sport. And to be honest with you, we, we sit back and we all laugh at the flag football that they play at the, uh, the Pro Bowl. It's, it's better than this. It's closer to football than this is to NBA basketball. I mean, they're, they're doing like 70-foot outlet passes. It's a joke. They're letting people dunk. There's no defense in the paint. It's not even up. I've always said this over and over and over again. The closest all-star game that approximates the actual sport is baseball. That's it. It's baseball. And baseball freaked out when there was a tie and then went off the deep end with the whole having it associated with the home field advantage for the World Series. But it all comes back to the same thing. How do we get the athletes to care? No one is going to care if the people they're watching don't care. And the NHL decided that they were going to have the whole incentive with the draft and then the team that wins splits a million dollars, put some kind of finances on it. They did the same thing with the um, the skills competition where the winner wins a million dollars. And that seemed to get the players excited and make it fun. But still, it's almost kind of borderline extortion. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll throw a bunch of money at them to get them to care. <laughs> I just I think they've all run their course, guys. But nobody wants nobody wants to end it because that's where you schmooze clients and all that. But yeah, but you it know, just what, feels no, like we'll, it's outlived its usefulness at this point. We'll see what the ratings are. I mean, if they got decent ratings, the way incredibly the Pro Bowl still continues to get decent ratings, they're going to keep it because it's still a, a television product. But I, I'm with Peter. The best part of the weekend is Saturday, and the best part of Saturday to me was Sabrina against Steph. And you know, I thought it was a rare miss by Kenny Smith. 
you know, she, she should have shot from the, the WNBA three-point. Why? She scored the same amount of points as, as Dame Lillard did in winning the three-point contest, and it took an unbelievable finish for Steph Curry to beat her. I thought it was great. I mean, the only uh, concession to her smaller hands was that they let her use a WNBA basketball, but she was shooting from the men's three-point line. I thought it was an exhilarating, and it was one of those things where I know my daughter was on her iPad upstairs, and I texted her. I said, Callie, come down. This might interest you, and it did. It did. My son was already in, but it, it interested her. You bring in another level of fandom, and I think that's important. And I thought that was it was really, really, really well done. Both of them were very gracious. I thought they really tried. They both wanted to win. I thought it was it was a great, great moment for the WNBA and the NBA. I, I loved it. Um, it was. I thought it happened. It played out exactly the way it should in the first one. You know, Steph, ne- I mean, I'm always thinking of everything from wrestling, right? From a storyline standpoint, because it sounds like they're going to do this again next year. From a story that they're building, Steph was supposed to narrowly beat her this year. I loved how that played out. Um, it was, she was amazing. Yeah, that was a rare miss by Kenny. That whole conversation was awkward. It was, it was like, why are you bringing Going to it, playing it, with dolls? I mean, oh, it was so bad. It was cringy. Yeah, it was they had a, it was a cringe spot for them. Um, but overall, what an awesome it was just great, man. It it just st- both Steph and Jalen Brown did things this year that made the night better. Now, granted, I did not think Jalen Brown deserved to be in the final. I do think Jacob Toppin got hosed. Um, I don't understand what the judges were seeing on some of those dunks, although in the end, I think they got it right. Mac McClung should have repeated. He's unbelievable. That kid is insane. But by Jalen Brown participating, Michael, and by Steph willing, uh, being willing to sort of take the risk of losing to Sabrina, it made Saturday night feel really meaningful. It's it's tough because the crowd at that show, I've been to that event multiple times. It's not a lively crowd in the arena. You don't hear them a lot. But man, I thought it was a great watch on television. It was a great watch. And I, 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 what I don't understand is the great dunkers in the game, the star players, they don't want to participate because they don't want to get embarrassed, I guess. But the best three-point shooters participate, so they don't care about getting embarrassed. I well, don't and understand not only that, the thought process. And Those that, are the and, best three-point shooters in the, in the game, for and, the most and by, part. And by the way, what they're doing is a real practical skill that they pride themselves on that matters. Yep. Like, it's sort of... It sort of matters for a Steph Curry to lose to a Carl Anthony Towns in the three-point shootout. Like, that, that's actually somewhat damning. Losing a dunk contest means nothing. These dunks can't be executed in-game. You're right. It's so odd that people aren't willing to try it. That's why, regardless of Jalen Brown, when he tried to do the D. Brown, Michael, he totally botched it, and he, and he covered his eyes too late. But I love that he did it, and I love that they used the, the electric floor to change to the parquet. I thought that was awesome. And by the way, I don't know if you know, Noticed. The the commentary team totally missed what happened. The crowd started booing after Jalen Brown's dunk, and they thought it was about the dunk. They thought it was about the judging. No, it was about the fact they turned the floor to the parquet floor in Indiana. Right. That's what they were booing. But um, I, I thought it's the only All Star event in the major sports. Uh, I, as you guys know, the home run derby has gotten has certainly moved up on my list of things I watch. But without fail, the NBA Saturday night to me is number one with a bullet, most enjoyable all-star thing that you can do. And you mentioned it, and I, I, I mentioned it to you in a group text. I, I think the floor is a game changer. It is absolutely, 
it's scintillating. Uh, you can't even believe that you're living in a time when they can do that. And I could see every if, – if it's okay to play basketball on, I could see every court in the NBA like that. It's just amazing the amount of money that you could get in terms of selling ads. I mean, just the dramatics of changing the floor on a, on a moment's – it was just – it was exhilarating what they did with that floor. I thought it was amazing. Um, the, the, the dunk contest, four guys, two are from the G League. I mean, Jacob Toppin has seen some time with the Knicks, but he's from the G League. And McClung is with the Osceola Magic. That's the G League. It's, it's an embarrassment to the NBA. This is, this is an event that used to have Dominique Wilkins and Larry Nance and Michael Jordan. And now nothing. Nothing. It's, it's terrible. We could say it doesn't work anymore, but I guess it continues to be sponsored. Whatever the case may be. I will now lift the curtain with what it was one of the funniest exchanges. Don likes basketball. He doesn't love it like me and Peter. Peter and I were both watching every second of Saturday Night, Saturday night um, um, Skills Competition, although I don't like the beginning part with the, the three guys. Um, and I guess Peter said something about, what was it, the three-point contest, Peter? Uh, yeah, the I was, dunk I was, contest. I think it was the yeah. dunk contest. And Don was watching at that point the Devils against the Flyers in the stadium series. And Don answered back. He said, they could be dunking human heads right now. I wouldn't be watching. And I laughed out loud. I thought it was the funniest line he's ever caught. It's been a great week for Don. You know, the he pizza bottle, you know, the, the fact that he was, uh, I, he, he had the, the, the winning goal of the Ranger game on radio before anybody, even the, the officiating uh, expert that was on TV, Don said, that's going to count, and it did. So uh, it, that was just a funny line. They could be dunking human heads, and I would not be watching. Because, uh, I, 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 listen, I, you know I'm a hockey guy, and I become a basketball person for sure, uh, doing the Knicks and all that, because I, I do love the actual meaningful games. But, you know, I got a meaningful game. It was a big game, Devils, Flyers. And I got to tell you, the way ABC handled it, it was like an ode to New Jersey. I really thought that uh, they did a terrific job on Saturday, and I was, I was engaged in that. And plus, anything worth doing is worth doing over the top. So... I'm glad you enjoyed my text. Oh, I loved it. Now, let's just get to yesterday's game, the stadium series. Now, you know that of all the major sports, I, I don't hide it. Hockey's four for me. But, Don, that thing was so awesome. I watched every second of that game. Every second. Visually, it was it was stimulating. It was awesome. Um, the, the Rangers, like, they were going to get blown out. They battled back. They ended up winning a big, big game. I just thought it was it was tremendous. It was a tremendous event. You were right there. You were eyeside. You were right up against the glass where the goal was scored. What was it like in in the stadium? It was pretty awesome. Now I've been this is to all five of the outdoor games for the Rangers, but the previous four were all in baseball stadiums at Citizen Bank, Yankee Stadium, and City Field. This is the first time it was at a football stadium, so it may football's way better for it than baseball, Michael, because. Even though the fans the are of the seats, well, yeah, because the fans are a distance from the ice. Obviously, it's still symmetrically similar to an NHL arena. So, and it just feels better, and it just it really, I think, just popped a lot better in a football stadium than a baseball stadium. And so, when I walked onto the um, onto the field, and just seeing all the people, and, and there, I did not see an empty seat, and they announced it as. Uh, you know, 79,650, wow. I mean, just 80,000 people just passionate about the sport, and there was over 70,000 in the game the night before, and the only reason there weren't more is because, I guess, the Jonas Brothers had a lot of para- um, um, 
Okay, whatever the, the fire why am I the loss for the word I was looking for the pyrotechnics mm-hmm. were, were, took up a, a couple of sections in the end zone so that took some seats up but just the the crowd was totally into it they did a great job it really popped the ice was terrific the game was compelling and it just was so much fun to be down there. The weather was not bad. It was a clear day. I'd say it was probably upper 30s, low 40s. There's a little bit of wind, but certainly nothing that you couldn't tolerate. So I, I thought that they did the whole weekend was uh, tremendous. The Devils Flyer game had like a 10,000 walk-up the day of, which surprised me because it felt like it was 19 degrees outside on Saturday. And then on Sunday, it was uh, just even better. It's probably the greatest day for hockey in the tri-state area ever. Because even though the Islanders lost, they still earned a point. I thought they were well represented in the building, although obviously way more Ranger fans. But still, just an incredible, incredible atmosphere and an unbelievable comeback. It was an unbelievable comeback. It just it was exhilarating. It was it was so much fun to watch. The uniforms popped. I particularly loved the Ranger uniforms. I thought it was a great look. They did everything right. The NHL just did it right on on these two days. And the other thing that makes it work, you know, when we were talking about what happened with the NBA All Star Game, where the players are kind of just going through the motions, and that's where they get rid of the Pro Bowl and all that is that the players still get a kick out of it, guys. I mean, just playing outside, talking to the players. Even uh, I had Will Cooley as the walk-off after the second intermi- uh, second period. You know, they're down 4-3, and you know they had a huge goal at the end of the second period. But all he could talk about was just the, the atmosphere and the crowd and how much fun it was to skate out there. And then they had the open practice on Friday where the families were able to come out and skate. So... The players still love it. Even though these are important two points, it was the first time the Rangers and Islanders have played, believe it or not, in almost 14 months. The last time they had met was back in December of 2022. And the first meeting between these two rivals in an important two points, they still were having a ball out there. And you could really sense it. And I think the crowd sensed it. And that's what made it a lot of fun. So I, I came up with a way that, you know, we had Bettman on and said, you know, it's ridiculous that, you know, the Islanders and Rangers. But he said, well, then you're not going to see every team. Well, here should be the rule. Every team has to play every team at least once. But make it like one one, day, one, one year you're going to play Vegas in Vegas. One year Vegas is going to play at the Garden. This way you don't have to waste two games on every single team in the West. So, I mean, yeah, you might not see the defending Stanley Cup champion. Okay, I think fans would accept that to see these rivalries more. Another question I'd ask you, Don. Why was the game, start of the game delayed by like 47 minutes? Just because, I, and, I don't, and I, get, I don't know why they couldn't see this like earlier but again it was the the glare of the sun yeah but they know where the sun's going to come down right yeah they they went through the practice on friday so i think you'd be able to determine i know that um the sun sets at different time i guess it's a couple of minutes every day yeah but not that different you could time it out differently so i'm not exactly sure why they couldn't see that through maybe uh, maybe they weren't sure if it was overcast you'd be able to go with it well, I, I don't like know. Sturkin had the glare in his eye the first first period. It, it, he did not play well. The, the whole team didn't play well in the first period, despite scoring the first goal of the game. But it happened. It happened. Uh, they were delayed a long time at Yankee Stadium uh, ten years ago. But it, it wasn't that big of a deal. It ended up being a little less than a half hour, and it got everybody amped up. So I'm sure ABC was able to fill. I got I got to be on ABC uh, accidentally, but that was fun. That was good. You look great. And, and the, the funny the funny thing is is that. The, the picture, it's on social media. You see me waving behind Subban and, and Messier. Right. I was not mugging for the camera. 
there was a fan in the stands that was waving at me, and I was waving back to oh, them. I, I, I figured it was that because you're all class, <laughs> and I didn't realize that you know their cameras were on. But uh, apparently, I got a, a lot of FaceTime, and it was really cool that a lot of the moments happened on the end of the ice where I was sitting, including the game-winning goal. And luckily, I, I knew the rule, and I saw that it had crossed the line, despite the fact that the net was off the moorings because the Islanders knocked it off. The goal was still going to count, so. I was running around because I had to go up to do the post-game show, Peter. So at 5-4, with five minutes to go, I ran up to the press box. And then they tied the game, so I had to run back down and luckily got back to the ice level in time to be able to see the goal. Kickboxing really worked because I was able to run without losing my breath. You're in terrific shape. And by the way, I listened to your uh, interviews between the second and third period. There's no one better. He also had Woody Johnson. Nobody interviews Woody Johnson. But you know what happened? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to lift the, the curtain. So he, I, I guess he knows, you know, he knows me from the Jets or whatever. He recognized me. So he and his son had walked over to me to talk about the ice. And I was in break. And I got the headset on and I said, Woody, I'm sorry. I've got I've to go back on. He was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I said, but listen, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask you. Would you just give me a couple of minutes on the air? And he looked apprehensive and said, listen, we're not going to get into the Jets or anything with, with involving football. I just want to get your thoughts on this spectacle and everything. And he agreed, and then he came on. And it was, he's, it was actually good. And I don't know if you've ever dealt with this, Peter. He's a, he's a microphone grabber. So when oh, I, yeah. when sure. I, uh, have you ever had this happen, Pete, oh, Michael, yeah. guys, where you're interviewing somebody and they take the microphone from you? You have to keep fighting them. <laughs> yeah, because I, I didn't know if he was going to wander did off. You, or... did, you, did you let go or hold on? <laughs> well, I let go. But then I had to grab it back or at least let him know that there was going to be a follow-up. You know, I, I mean, he, I, I think the rule is, the technical rule is, Michael, tell me if I'm wrong. You're supposed to hold on to it yeah, you and gotta not hold let on them to take it. it. I mean, I'm just surprised a guy who like looks at a microphone like Grim Death I, that you would ever let go. I thought he was going to break into Donkashane or something like he grabbed wow. the mic and he was really just feeling, <laughs> feeling comfortable. But he admitted that he grew up a Ranger fan. He's a big hockey fan and he was just really, really impressed. He was asking me about like how the Zamboni worked and everything. It was just really a fun like he, we don't really have any kind of relationship with him and even all the years that i did the jets i only met him a handful of times i think P- michael we've only had him on once in like the 20 years we've been together um, yeah, i think but, that was the time when they they opened the stadium and i said right. let's put the venetian blinds he didn't like that uh, yeah and maybe that's one of the re- maybe if you were there he wouldn't have walked over but he was really he was having a ball so it was, it was good to, so when to you get when you were off the air did you say rogers really i mean did you did you get into that no, because he was right. asking me questions. Well, you should have said, well, wait a minute. Let's talk Salah. Let's talk Rogers here. Can we? Can we do that, please? I, then I, I, Peter, I think he would have then lost interest in, in having a conversation <laughs> with me and then wandered. I didn't want to do that. Believe me, I had a ton of questions for him. No, I understand. You did the right thing. But, but uh, yeah, it was um, just, a, just a terrific, terrific weekend. Watching Saturday and then being a part of that on Sunday was, uh, was a lot, a lot of fun. All right, we'll come back. We'll take your phone calls and all the things we hit on. We have Paul O'Neill coming up at 4 o'clock. Paul O'Neill has a new IPA beer that he's made. Yay! Yeah, that's coming out. We'll talk about that and obviously um, about the Yankees this upcoming season. Listen up. It's Michael K. When it comes to travel, nothing, and I mean nothing, beats Legends Limousine. I felt the difference, and let me tell you, it's real. When my family and I need a ride to the airport or out of town, we choose Legends. So we went on a trip last week. Um, We had to go to LaGuardia, and then we had to be picked up at LaGuardia. I mean, they were on time. They were polite. They were courteous. The cars were spotless. It was was an unbelievable 
um, experience with Legends. Sometimes it's not always great with some companies. With Legends, it was that, that good. I'm telling you the truth because I lived it. The flight that we were on coming back from Tampa, three hours late, we landed at 110. We were supposed to land at 10. And you know what, 110? The driver was there, smiling, ready, and did his job. It was great. We choose Legends. Their commitment to safety makes every trip a breeze. These guys are not just any service. They've been setting the gold standard for over 30 years. I trust them and so should you. Call 1-888-LEGENDS. That's 1-888-534-3637. Again, 1-888-534-3637. Use the code ESPN10, ESPN the number 10, to snag 10% off. Travel like a legend with Legends Limousine. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Thanks for listening to the Michael K. Show podcast. Hey, buddy. Hey. Catch the show on demand wherever you want. Just subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. This weekend, I don't know if you guys feel like this. This weekend to me was like the first real off weekend I've had since baseball season ended. Because when 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 football's going on, I mean, it's not work, but you have to watch the games. I didn't really have to watch anything. I, I whatever I watched, I chose to watch, and I really enjoyed it. Relaxed, hardly left the house at all for two days. It's terrific. Really terrific. You can yeah. you can enjoy yourself. I can enjoy my. I live a real life. Thought it was tremendous. Let's go to Jason and Trenton. Jason, why don't you start it off? Guys, it's good to talk to you again. Hope everyone's doing well. All good. Um, just awesome. Just wanted to talk about the Jock Fawn situation for a minute. I think we're. I think everyone, including a lot of the Nets fan base, is being really easy on Joe Sy here. And I got to be honest with you, it really reeks of dysfunction, especially because they had an opportunity to dump all of these wonderful assets that were coveted by other teams in the league and really hit a hard reset. And they didn't do it. And then a week later, they fire their coach. And I know that Jock was going to be gone anyway at the end of the year. That's fine. But what signal does that send to your fan base? It's, it just reeks of pure dysfunction. 
And I got to be honest with you, it's time that we turn up the heat dial on on Joe Sy because Sean Marks has just taken his orders at this point. I think you guys nailed it in the beginning. Well, I would agree with you, Jason, because they they held on to Mikel Bridges like grim death. They could have gotten four to five first-round draft picks for him. They could have. And they they didn't because Joe Sy does not want to reset. He does not want to go down to zero. He just doesn't. No, is it that? I guess that would be the negative. The positive, he's going to blow this up at the end of the year, and he didn't want Marks to be the one to make these franchising moving decisions when he's going to be out the door at the end of the season. Still let him make a trade, though. Still made a trade. He's I don't know if he's Witty. Yeah, I, you're, it's I, it's probably the, the the former that you mentioned. It's 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 most likely the fact that he just doesn't want to have to reset. But good luck putting pressure on an owner. What are you going to do about it? He's not going to fire himself. He's not going to sell the team. Believe me, as a Met fan, we went through this with the Wilpons. There's nothing more frustrating for a fan base to put the blame on ownership because there's nothing to do about it. Let's just stop showing up. But even then, he's he's not going to sell the team unless he wants to. He's not going to fire himself. And the only thing you could do is not go to the games. And, you know, they still get really good attendance. And what they aren't doing is they're not watching the team. I mean, yes, isn't getting that... You know the the ratings for for a broadcast that's top top flight with you know one of the best play by play guys in the history of sports doing their games and they're just you know oh. they're, they're not getting the ratings and, that they, they that would warrant that kind and, of a, a production and guys we can't get crazy about the attendance all right first of all most if not all of the tickets are pre sold before the season starts. And you are seeing the opposition. They promote it that way. I mean, basketball is still very popular in this town. So it's still NBA basketball. More times than not, there's stars coming into the building. So I wouldn't even, you know, say that the fact that the building is full tells you that they're happy with this franchise. Oh, I agree. I agree. But that's how you get an owner's attention. D-Rock in Brooklyn. D-Rock. Gentlemen. Thank you for having me on. To that previous caller, if he thinks Nets fans are being soft, you got to go on Twitter. Because Joe Joe Sy is blocking fans left and right for getting at him. I'm not one of those people, per se. I'm I'm actually – I love Sean Marks. But I have to say, he should be fired. Not only because he's a reactionary general manager – for allowing Kyrie Irving to sabotage this organization because uh, he was rebuilding it correctly. But he should also be fired because the small ball philosophy is not going to produce any championships. Uh, with this firing with Jack Vaughn, the 50-point loss was a, a disgrace. You saw Mikael Bridges get on the Roommates podcast and talk about it, and you know Kyle Thomas isn't too happy with his coaching either. Seems like Kevin Ali is going to be the man that gets uh, the last 30 games. Uh, supposedly the Nets have a very easy schedule for the rest of these 30 games. So hopefully the Nets, yeah, hopefully the Nets could make the playoffs and uh, <laughs> maybe win a game against the Boston Celtics, who it seems to be uh, the, the first place team. But uh, I, I I can't imagine Sean Marks getting another chance other than just with Joe Sy and that whole Kyrie Irving drama. Jet Joe Sy just loves him and says, you know what. You you did it before you you know Durant didn't stay Harden didn't want to stay you did you know have to trade those guys. Well, but. The, the, the whole the D Rock the whole thing with with Marks is he sells changing the culture, and he did essentially change the culture. He made it a place that two of the greatest players in NBA history decided to come here, joined by a third who's also in the discussion for top seventy five. So he had three unbelievable players, and then it fell apart for reasons. You know, that it's just hard to even fathom why it fell apart. I mean, it was sabotaged, I think, by by Kyrie Irving. 
uh, the, the, the pandemic didn't help. That gave him an excuse to back out of games and, and not play. And then, you know, the rules in New York City, he couldn't play. He wouldn't take the vaccine. So everything kind of just tumbled from there. And maybe Josiah's looking at it. You know what? He did make this place the place to be. But another thing that I've thought of a lot, I wonder what you think about this, Peter. Yeah, a guy like Durant and Kyrie, you go to Brooklyn because you have all the trappings of New York, but you have none of the pressure. There's no pressure right. on a net like with the Knicks. It's nothing. So you're actually getting to live in New York, enjoying everything about New York, and you you might as well be playing for, for the Kansas City uh, Kings when, when when Sacramento was in KC. So, I mean, that that's exactly what you're doing. Yeah. You're living in New York City, and you don't yeah. have any of the pressure of New York City. Although yeah. if they somehow went on a run and became a real threat, then you really get all the, the perks of being in New York. They would take It would become a huge, huge deal, but you kind of get to live in obscurity up until then. Yeah, absolutely. Tristan, Long Island. Tristan. Michael, it, uh, maybe it's the TV, but it looks like you shaved during the commercial. Is there any way we can oh. pivot the bet? It was, it was my original Woodyear that inspired the bet, so may I suggest the pivot? No, I didn't shave. What are you talking about? I, I, I've, got, I've got a three-day growth. you you got to get a, a new TV, Tristan. Yeah, there's something there. Well, I mean, yeah, there is something we, there. There's something there, but the, the it's going to take at least three months. There's no way you're going to fill this bed. That I agree with. Well, what do you want me to do? I, you want, you what want was your to pivot idea? Testosterone pills or what? what? What's your idea? He had an idea, but we got caught. caught. Oh, what happened? I mean, it's so ridiculous. Did he shave? No, it, it's coming in gray. It's going to be hard to see. But there's, there's. I don't know if yes could zoom in. I got a beard. I have a beard. No, listen, I saw it during our meeting today. Sick it's of these there. People. But I don't know. But he's right and wrong. He's wrong that, that he thought you shaved because you didn't. But he's right that I'm not sure we're going to be able to pick up on this in time. It's, it's February 19th. You're... You're going to have to have it shaved by what? The first uh, television preseason uh, re- uh, exhibition game? No. No, the first exhibition game is this Sunday. We're not on camera. I don't have to shave. All right, I don't so, have to shave so, till the opening in Houston. All right, the opening in Houston, which is what, March, what, 30th? What, I have it right here. What is the date? It is March 28th. 28th. So we've got 38 days because there's only 10 days left in February. Can Will we be able to see anything, Peter, well, really, 37, because you're going to have to shave on the 38th day. So, basically, five weeks, Peter. Do you think we're going to see anything? Yeah, I, I think we will. I do. I do. I, I'm actually sort of surprised at how much I can see right now. So, I believe, I think we will. And frankly, Don, as I've said many times, a lot of punishment is in the process. I think he's going to look repugnant on the way there. Now, knowing Michael, it'll work out. And somehow he'll realize... Well, that like a well-kempt short beard is the right look for him. But I think there's a chance that the stubble could be quite repugnant. That is a great point, Peter, because as somebody that's had all different types of, of beards and things over the years, there's always that ugly few-day transitional period where you don't look good, but you know you eventually will. That could be an awkward few days if we get there. It, but, it could but, be but weeks. See, we no, don't know. No, no. If you think like this is going to work out for K, like everything works out for K, I've had a beard before. It doesn't look good. I look hideous. All right, you guys are happy? Yeah, if I had hope. just picked the Kansas City Chiefs over the Baltimore Ravens, Don would be doing it, not me. I was an idiot. I didn't pick Patrick Mahomes, and I learned from it. 
All right. I mean, so we're not supposed to feel bad for you, Michael. This is the bet. I, I don't want you to feel bad for me. I feel bad for myself because I didn't pick Patrick Mahomes against Lamar Jackson. I will never make that mistake again. How could you do that? What are you? You're sick. You got to be sick to your stomach. I think you made the same pick. Am I right, Piven? I I did. Oh my God! It's game time. Brought to you by Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. No locals in action. Not even St. John's, but they weren't in action when they played. That's game time. <laughs> brought to you by Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey because when it's game time, it's Tully time. Tullamore Dew, the original triple distilled, triple blended, triple cask matured Irish whiskey. Be sure to grab a Tullamore Dew or try the brand new Tullamore Dew Honey during tonight's action. Glasses up to enjoying Tullamore Dew responsibly. Uh, we'll come back, take more phone calls, but first, Don's going to introduce himself and tell you about a car. I'm going to do just that. It's 2024. You get more at Ramsey Mazda. More selection and more savings for a limited time. They'll waive the first lease payment. Lease a new 2024 Mazda CX-5, just $289 a month. And now, get your first lease payment on them. At Ramsey Mazda, Route 17 North in Ramsey. Choose wisely. Choose Ramsey Mazda. Call 833-853-2970 for lease details. Excludes tax, title, and registration. Zero security deposit. VIN R0410549. MSRP 30750 Ends 229.24. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Thanks for listening to the Michael K. Show podcast. Well, that's awesome. Looking for more access to the show? That's right, man. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TMKS ESPN. Kay LaGreca Rosenberg, we're with you till 630 on this President's Day. We're talking NBA weekend, stadium series, uh, so much the Nets firing Jock Vaughn. Let's go to Carl in Queens. Carl. Don, Peter, Michael, Anthony, um, quick question. Uh, Donica Lanut, when is that next edition going to be? Wow, good question. Well, nothing's scheduled. Oh, I think nothing's scheduled. That. Okay. But I do appreciate that, Carl. I'm, I'm hoping you're a fan I, of Carl. I, I am. I'm a huge fan. I'm going to be checking that as much I'm, as I'm going to check the ref assignments to see when uh, – Jason Gobble is refing the Knicks again. But, um, Don, I wanted to ask you about Igor and what you think. He has one more season uh, next year. Yes. So he's going to want he's going to want price Vasilevsky money, probably. Right. You can't give him that right now. No, you can't. I mean, he's going to have to play for his supper next year. Well, you know, we'll see what happens this year. And, and you listen, you need goaltending, so you're not going to want him to walk. For what? I mean, Jonathan Quick's going to be 38, 39 years old, and I don't know if he's your future. Obviously, he's not. But I, I look at it this way. You're not going to pay him a dime more than you think he's worth. It, it, their cap situation might get a little bit better as the league starts to have the salary uh, cap grow over the next year or so. 
But, you know, listen, if they go out and win a Stanley Cup this year, then I guess you give them what you got to give them. But, but if Don, he, he ends looked, up playing he, up and he, down. He looked dreadful in the first period. He yesterday. did. But then he also bounced back and, and kept it uh, kept the Islanders at bay for the rest of the third period and allowed the team to come back. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he played great yesterday, but he had his moments. He ended up winning the game. He's been playing much better as of late. So, But if he ends up being up and down like this the rest of this year and they get bounced early and then next year – that he's kind of just a pedestrian goaltender, then he can command what he wants. He's not going to get it. Uh, take a look around the league. I mean, you want Vasilevsky? Vasilevsky's going to the Hall of Fame. All right, he's won a couple of Stanley Cups. He's he gets what he gets. All right, but in a league where I can win a cup with Darcy Kemper, you know, I'm going to pay what I think you're worth. So if he goes out there and wants, you know, eight nine million dollars a year, Michael, then he's not going to get it he's, can, if he continues to play that way. Can, can I embarrass myself and, and talk real hockey here? I thought that Laviolette yesterday coached his veritable backside off. When he pulled the goalie with the power play with six minutes left, I said, that's gutsy. And then he did it again when they were down just by one, when the power play might have been enough. And it worked each time, Don. Was that... Was that like was that taking a chance or did, was I taking no though know? that's it's taking a chance one of the reasons it's taking a chance Michael and why I was a little surprised he did it was because they were getting pulverized on the faceoffs right so if you get a stoppage and you lose a draw and you lose possession you're dead game's over but he felt really good about what they were doing and I think he realized that. <laughs> You know, they were, there was this wasn't going to be a war of attrition where they were going to wait it out and eventually score. They were going to have to take advantage. And the other thing that he knew is that the Islanders have the worst penalty kill in the league, by far the worst. And like over the last couple of weeks, it's been like 50 50. So he had to figure with the two man advantage, they had to have an excellent opportunity to be able to get it done. But no, listen, Peter's aggressive, and I thought that was great. I thought the timeout that he called after they were down 3 1, uh, even though it didn't work, it just showed you the importance of the moment. I, I, I thought he had a terrific game yesterday. Uh, here is Laviolette explaining pulling the goalie. There was an opportunity to put us out there five on three. I know there was close to six minutes left on the clock, but we're down by two goals. If you do the math, if we're not successful inside of that four on three, which is a tough power play at times, you know, you're going to be three minutes and 50 seconds and you'll have used the guys that you wanted to. We decided that it was time to pull the goalie and go five on three, which gives us a much better opportunity to score a goal. And then once that cleared again, the same thing, we were able to get the goalie out of the net and get the sixth attacker on the ice. I thought our power play guys at the end of the game and the, you know, the biggest of moments and the biggest of circumstances, they really delivered. And there was lots of keys in that game, I think, but that had to happen at the end. Those guys that went on on the ice, they had to work. They had to fight and scratch and deliver a game with under six minutes to go and then under two minutes to go, and they really did. And since there's ice involved, this, this is the definition of cubes. Cubes. Well, well th- but think about it. Well done, Michael. Thank you. It, there's a little less than six minutes to go. It's a two-minute power play. So they're, they're putting all of their cubes, as you'd say, on the table because after they fail in those two minutes, and, and you got to figure that their number one unit's going to stay out there for the majority of the two minutes. Now you're down the four minutes, and your best players are spent. So now you're looking at your, your, your bottom six forwards having to play for like a minute or so later to get those guys some wind back, and now you're down to three minutes. So he, he, was, he was really smart about it. It's still risky 
because now now the game's over, right? They win the faceoff, they dump it down, and now you've got five and a half minutes to go and you're down three and the game is over. So there's a tremendous amount of risk involved, but uh, the logic still applied. Now, if the Islanders don't make the playoffs, Don, one of the reasons is, that, I mean, the excessive amount of overtime games and, the, and they lose them. They, they lose points all the time. I mean, what was that, their 14th overtime game? 14. The team in seconds, Boston with 10, but Boston's an elite team. They got a ton of wins. So right. you think about it, 14 games have been lost in overtime of the shootout. So if there's just four or five of those games that you win instead of lose, and it's nine losses in overtime, you've got five more points. You're in the playoffs. Yep. Uh, so, no, it, it has killed them. Their third period. This is not the first third period lead they've blown this year. Listen, it's going to take a little time for Patrick. I think he's going to run out of road here. I, I I still think it's a good hire and it could still work, but it, it just doesn't feel like it's gaining enough traction, and I think they're going to run out of games here. Leo and Belmore. Leo, talk to us. How are you, how are you doing, boys? Love good. talking hockey. I was there yesterday with my 8-year-old son who was – Absolutely amazing. We are Islander fans. So as you guys are just saying, yesterday's game, complete microcosm of this entire season. It's just a disaster. But I wanted to help you out a little bit, Michael. Okay. We were tailgating. Yeah. One of my buddies, he actually works for the NHL, texted me. And he said that all the teams knew that game was 3 o'clock overcast. And they said if the sun was out, it was going to be 345. So the players knew it. He let me know just because I'm a buddy. But then in the parking lot around 1 o'clock, word started spreading around. So everybody there oh. kind of knew. It's shame on them for not letting the entire public know the plan. But for us and the players, we kind of knew the – so it wasn't that much of a shock to I, us. And we still enjoyed it. I, when did I find out? I, I found out around noon. I found out from Ray Santiago around noon. He was emailed before then. You know, so plenty of people knew. But you know, you know what I think the conspiracy theory is, Michael, as far as why they may have sat on it for for a ways is kind of like what we what the Jets and Giants go through. Get people in the building, right? There. Well, what did the Jets do? They send fireworks out. Stop tailgating. Come in the building. When I pulled up at noon, which was you know almost four hours before faceoff, parking lot was packed. Tailgate. I felt like I was at a Jet or Giant game. So wow. I'm wondering if they were thinking, let's get people in the building here thinking that the game is going to be closer to 3.30 just so that we don't have stragglers and people still outside yeah. tailgating. Uh, you know, ABC showed a shot at about 3.30. So the game started about 3.45. 3.30, I mean, there was such a logjam to get in. So maybe people knew, as this caller just said, in the parking lot, they waited to come in. But there was a huge logjam in getting in through security. All right, we'll, we'll talk more about this as we move along. We have Paul O'Neill coming up in just a moment. Some new arrivals in Yankee camp today. Stanton, Soto, they both spoke. We'll talk to Paul O'Neill next about the Yanks. And um, I think you should stick around and hear it right here on Yes and 98.7 ESPN. Thanks for listening to the Michael K. Show podcast. Hear more of Michael, Don, and Peter live weekday afternoon starting at 3 on 98.7 ESPN in New York. The ESPN app, the TuneIn app, or on your smart speaker. Hey Alexa, play 98.7 ESPN.